The parrot continues to discuss the laws and regulations of what one is allowed to do in his own property and what is forbidden due to it causing damage in the neighbor's property or in the surrounding area. One needs to distance a tree if he is coming to plant a tree on the outskirts of a city, then he needs to, he can only do so if it is at least if he needs a distance of at least 25 amas away from the border of the city. It's considered to be a beautification of the city if at least 25 amas are left totally unplanted immediately on the outskirts around the city. And the Chorva Shikma, if he's coming to plant a carob tree or a sycamore tree, which can be very large with very long and large branches, then Chamishim Amar, he would need to distance those trees at least 50 amas away from the city in order to preserve that beauty of the city, that these branches will not reach within 25 amas of the border of the city. Abashol, Abashol says, Kolilan Sirok, any tree which does not bear fruit, Chamishim Amar needs to be distanced from the city by at least 50 amas. Really, it's considered to be a beauty for the city if there's a gap of 50 amas away from the city. Just that if it's a fruit tree, there's a certain beauty in the fruit tree that would allow one to plant the fruit tree nearer the city, as long as he leaves 25 amas. However, if it doesn't bear any fruit, then it is considered to be an interference with the beauty of the city to plant it even within 50 amas of the border of the city. Now, what happens if nevertheless somebody went ahead and he planted the tree within 25 amas of the city? So in my ear, if the city was already there before the tree was planted, then of course, Kaitzates, he would be obligated to cut down the tree, and the residents of the city are not obligated to give the owner of the tree any money as compensation because he planted it illegally. However, if the tree was there first, before the city was even established, nobody lived in the city, it wasn't built up. And only later on, after the tree was already planted, then it became a real city. So even in this case, Koitzeitz, he does need to cut down the tree, because the residents of the city have priority. That is a public need, it's the beauty of this public area, the city, and that overrides this individual's right to have the tree over there. However, since he planted it with permission and we're cutting down his tree, so the residents of the city do need to give him compensation and pay him for the tree, which he did plant with full permission. Now, what happens if if it's a doubt as to whether the tree was there first or the city was there first? So certainly, they would definitely need to cut down the tree because whatever happens, the tree needs to be cut down. The public needs come first. The question is, do they need to pay him? And the answer is no, because we look at the payment as a separate matter, and we apply the general rule of If somebody wants to receive money from somebody else, he can only do so if he proves that he is entitled to that money. But over here that it is a doubt as to whether the tree was there first or the city got there first, so we don't know whether the residents of the city owe him money. They don't owe it since he cannot prove that, they indeed, that he's indeed entitled to that money. The process of threshing, at least when it is done on a large-scale level, is that they would have a very large, a long tool, a bit similar to a pitchfork, and they would have a very large pile of grain, and they needed to separate the chaff, which is the part of the grain which they don't want. It's the more dirty part of the grain, which isn't really eaten. So that needs to be separated from the actual grain, which is going to be eaten. And the way they would do that is by throwing it all up into the air, and the lighter chaff would be blown by the wind, 
and the heavier grain would fall back down, and that way they would be left with only the grain. Now, it could be if somebody had only a small pile of produce, then they wouldn't even need to use this pitchfork-like tool. It could just be that they can allow the wind to blow slowly but surely on this small pile of grain, which is mixed with the chaff, and eventually all of the chaff will blow away, and the grain will remain. But as now, Mishnah talks about a goyen kavua, a fixed proper threshing floor, where they would use this tool, they would throw the grain, throw all of the grain with the chaff up into the air, and the chaff would be blown by the wind. So the Mishnah says, can go in air. If people want to build a fixed threshing floor, this is where they would do it properly by throwing it up into the air and the wind blowing it. If they want to build it, they need to distance it from a city by at least Hamishim Amor, 50 Amos. In addition, one cannot make a permanent threshing floor within his own property. Unless there is a distance of 50 amas in every direction, which is still within his own property, before reaching a public area, for example. And the reason for these two halachas is because of the final law which the Mishnah is going to say, which is, One needs to distance this threshing floor from other people's young trees, or from their recently ploughed fields. A near is an area of land which has been ploughed in order to prevent any weeds from regrowing. And one cannot put his threshing floor very near there, so that it doesn't cause damage. By all of the chaff blowing towards the fields, he'll be left with a field full of this inferior part of the produce, and that is damaging the field. And so this is another law which we are learning in this perech concerning what one cannot do within his own property or in a public area because of what it will affect in somebody else's property. Mishnah test, the list continues, Marchikins and Nevelais, one needs to distance Nevelais, dead animals, a place where they would pile up dead animals, Vesa Kavorais, and graves, a cemetery, Vesa Brusaki. Brusaki is a place where they would turn animal skins into leather, and in all of these three places, there's a very foul and nasty smell in that area, and therefore it needs to be distanced min ha'ir from a city chamishim amar by at least 50 amas so that it does not affect the public in the city. Continues the Mishnah, in oisin brusaki elon mizrach ha'ir, one is not allowed to make a brusaki, this area where they would turn and process the animal's hides, the skins, into leather. One can only make it, if he's doing it outside of a city, he can only do it elon mizrach ha'ir on the east of the city. In the eastward direction, at least in Eretz Israel, the wind doesn't blow a lot, very strongly, and therefore we can safely expect that if he does distance the Brusaki by at least 50 Amas, as we just mentioned, and there's not a very strong wind, then it's not going to, the, the smell is not going to reach the city. However, Rabbi Akiva says, He can make it in any direction, as long as he distances it by 50 Amas, as we're about to see. Except for the west side of the city. If it's to the west of the city, then you cannot make the brusque over there, because Hashem's Shekhinah, his presence, so to speak, is more manifest in the west. It's more present, it's more concentrated in the westward direction. For example, in Yerushalayim, the Bithamikdosh was on the west side of Yerushalayim, and so everybody would daven towards the west. And therefore it's considered to be disrespectful to put this brusaki with a foul smell on the west direction of the city. But in any other direction of the city, any other side of the city, you are allowed to make the brusaki as long as you leave a distance of 50 amas from the edge of the city. 
Mishnah Yud. min hayorak. One needs to distance a pool of water which he's going to use in order to soak flax, which is part of the process in order to make linen. It would first be soaked for a number of days in this pool of water. So if you are making such a pool of water and adding flax to it, that's going to, again, produce a very nasty smell. And therefore it needs to be distanced away from vegetables, which belong to somebody else. And the Mishnah doesn't mention what the distance is. We're going to understand that it needs to be distanced from the vegetables enough that it's not going to cause damage to the vegetables. Resacreation, and if somebody is planting leek, is planting leeks, then it needs to be distanced from Abed Solim from somebody else's onions which are planted already, because leek tends to take away a lot of the pungency, the strength of the onions, the strong taste and scent, as so that would be a damage to the onions. And if somebody is planting mustard seeds, he needs to distance it away from somebody else's beehives, or bees if he has beehives in his property, because once again, the bees would be damaged by the mustard seeds. When they start pecking and flying all around the mustard seeds, the, the, the quality of their honey goes down. And so if once again, in this case, we'd have to distance it enough that it's not going to cause damage to the bees or to their honey. Rabbi Yaisi Matabachardol. However, Rabbi Yaisi permits the last case, or it's, at least that's what it seems, of the mustard seeds. And the reason for Rabbi Yaisi, and this is quite a fundamental argument of Rabbi Yaisi and the Tanakama, which can also be related to many of the cases which have been discussed throughout the Perek, according to Rabbi Yaisi, if I'm doing something in my own property, then the general rule and sort of the status quo is Al-Hanizak Harik Zatzmoy. The person who could potentially be damaged over here is the one who needs to take responsibility to distance himself away from the other person's thing which could cause him damage. Since the other person, the muzik, the one who is causing the damage, is doing this in his own property for his own use, he's allowed to use his own property. And if you don't want that to cause you damage, then you need to make sure that you distance yourself from him. That having been said, Yubiasa agrees with the vast majority of the, the cases we've seen throughout this parak. Why is that? Because even according to Yaisi, if you do something in your property which will immediately begin to start causing damage to the neighbor's property or possessions, whatever it may be, so then it will be forbidden even according to Yaisi. However, in the cases in our Mishnah, in all three of the cases, Yaisi is actually arguing on all three of the cases, the damage only starts later on. And in such a case, Yaisi says that once you've planted your leek, for example. So now the reality is that I've got my leek planted over here, you've got your onions planted over there. If you don't want your onions to be damaged by my leeks, then you should distance your onions away from my leek, because I'm doing it in my own property. That is Rebiasi's general opinion. However, the question needs to be asked if Rebiasi is arguing on all of the cases in our Mishnah, why does the Mishnah seem to imply that he's only arguing on the last case with the mustard and the bees? The answer is that Rabbi Yaisi is coming with a different claim, and he's saying that even if I were to agree to you, the Tanakama, that says the opposite of me. According to the Tanakama, the general rule is that the mazik, the one who is causing the damage, is the one who has the responsibility to keep distance. And Rabbi Yaisi said to the Chachomim, even according to you, you should agree with me in the case of the mustard and the bees. Because here, just like the mustard is going to damage the bees and their honey, the bees are also going to damage the mustard. They're pecking away all day at these mustard seeds. 
And so in this case, he is allowed to plant his mustard seeds, says Rebbeis to the Chachomim, that even according to you, you should agree that over here he's able to plant the mustard since they are both damaging each other. And it's not that he's the only one damaging the other person, the other person's possessions, that's contribuisi. However, the Chachomim say that no, even in that case, we hold that since at the end of the day, you are a mazik, you are causing my bees damage, you need to make sure that you keep the distance. And in addition to that, the Chachomim also claim that the bees don't really damage the mustard seeds that much, because the way that the mustard seeds grow, they are quite well protected. But Biazimir, Rabbi himself, the important thing is, Rabbi himself argues on all of the cases in our Mishnah, because his general rule is that Al-Hanizik the one who is potentially going to be damaged, his possessions are going to be damaged, he's the one who has the responsibility to keep a distance away from the thing which could damage his possessions.